Welcome to the Yoga Living Project podcast. My name is Austin Richmond, and this week I'm speaking with Jen Barks, who is our yogi in residence beginner teacher. Uh, she's been doing this for a number of years, and she teaches our teachers how to teach beginner yoga. She's just fantastic in all those ways. This is, I think, a particularly uh, prescient podcast as it's New Year's Day. Happy New Year's, everybody. And it's the time of year where everybody seems to wanting to, you know, set their resolution around changing themselves. And I think it's important to um, kind of come back to this idea that yes, yoga is a mode of transformation, but that is kind of the second step of the two-step dance where the first is uh, acceptance, and <clears throat> not only acceptance, but radical self-acceptance. So what I mean by that, and what we mean at Cambio, is that everybody is perfect right where they are. And this is, a, I think, a difficult thing, especially right now with you know, everything the way it is in the world. And there seems to be a lot of divisiveness uh, socially and culturally and politically and even economically. Um, so it's an, interesting, it's an interesting doctrine to take on this maxim of everybody is, is right where they're supposed to be right now. And, um, and yet that's not mutually exclusive to the fact that yoga is also a technology to transformation for somebody. So yeah, um, anyway, getting real deep on January 1st, 2018, aren't I? Um, but I hope you take a little while to listen to this. It's not a long conversation. I think it's like 20, 30 minutes. Um, and it's, it's great because it kind of covers all things why, um, why yoga, first of all, why anybody should do yoga. Um, so if, especially if you've got like uh, relatives, family, friends, spouses, boyfriends, anybody you're trying to get into yoga, this might be a great podcast to send to them to kind of uh, calm their fears down about what could go wrong. I know I was scared. I had a lot of fear about going to my first yoga class. Um, I think this conversation is also a really great reminder about the importance of keeping a beginner mindset. I know that 2018, particularly for me, was um, made so special because of yoga. I mean, it seems that like 11, 12 years into this relationship with yoga, um, each year it seems to be getting better. And I think that that's a hallmark of any healthy relationship in your life is, um, is it getting better as the years go on. Are you getting more and more curious about it? And I certainly know that as the years go on, I am getting more and more uh, in love with the uncertainty and the mystery of all things yoga. Uh, meaning that, you know, when I first started, I was super eager to want to understand all the things and have a rigid set of definitions and, and know all the things. And now here I am. 11, 12 years later, and I study pretty voraciously, um, and I actually really delight in the unknown now and the uncertainty and the, the ways in which I don't know what it is. Those are the things that are beautiful about it to me. It's, the, it's a, almost like a, it's like a poem. When you read a poem and you're not quite sure, you know what it means, but there's a feeling to it that leaves you with enough of a sense of beauty that you're like, you know that it's right, you know that it's good. So um, anyway, I'm feeling a bit whimsical today. So uh, I'll get back to letting you hear the podcast here now. Uh, so this is me and Jen Barks. You guys, thanks for everything in 2017. It's been a fantastic year at Cambio. You guys have helped support the studio and grow the studio in ways unimaginable. 
by Amber and I. And we look forward to another year of serving the community with our mission of accessibility, community, and education around all things yoga. So without further ado, here's Jen and I. Thank you so much for listening to the Yoga Living Project podcast. teaching yoga and uh, glad we could finally meet yeah yeah so we're gonna be talking about beginner yoga today Mm -hmm. um and you're kind of uh you've kind of become like the our our standardized like i mean like (laughs) teachers who want to do internships you offer them up to them Mm -hmm. i mean you're in a you're kind of like our gateway drug (laughs) for students and teachers here yeah yeah, you become that, which is perfect because your attention to detail I really appreciate. So oh, thank you. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, you you have such a, a great sense of uh, ownership hmm. in the way that you do things. So, um, well, how did you get started with stepping into this role of uh, gateway <laughs> yoga drug? Gateway yoga drug. Yeah. Um, yoga pusher. <laughs> well, I took... I did my teacher training in 2014 and um, was one of those folks that came in and said, I'm not going to teach and I just want to do more yoga and I've done all the programs in town, so let me do this one too. And um, got out of the program still thinking I'm not going to teach and I think it was yourself that uh, recommended I do an adjusting internship and I also do a teaching internship. And I was still thinking like, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, it's still more, but I'm never going to use this. Um, I wound up being hooked up uh, with a teacher at the time, her name's Mandy here, that was teaching beginning yoga, and she taught on Saturday mornings, and she said, hey, I'm taking interns, and working full time, it worked really well on my schedule, so I was like, sure, Mm -hmm. I'll come by, and I observed one class, and I totally fell in love with teaching beginners. I... um, the amount, just exactly what you said, the amount of detail that it requires. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, at least for me, you're more, I'm, it's, I'm able to be more present with the students mm. because they really, truly don't know anything about yoga. And so we're trying to make it light and fun. And that was one of the things I really liked was we had sarcasm and we laughed in class mm. and we would break things down and spend time working one-on-one with people. But I also liked the fact that alignment was so important and the foundation was so important mm-hmm. and there's a lot of explaining of the whys and mm-hmm. and so I was like, wow, this is this totally fits what I would want to do. And I always say this, I'm not even though I'm technically qualified to teach a power class, I have no interest in teaching a power mm-hmm. class because I want to work with that new fresh mind for that person coming in that has never Mm -hmm. seen yoga or maybe has some preconceived notion of what yoga is. Mm -hmm. And I want to break, like break that stereotype. I I want them to just come in and see yoga, you know, in a different way, in a different light. And, um, and so, yeah, I love it. Now I just, I couldn't even imagine teaching anything else right now. Yeah. It's so interesting because, you know, as the years have gone, because you said 2013, 14, 14, Mm -hmm. But you were among like the first of, I don't remember it happening as much before, but like, you know, people do teacher training and now it's very common that, you know, I mean, we have to pick a certain style to teach, you sure. know, at a certain point. It's just, we can't be like, Hey, we're going to teach training. Oh, you want to teach beginners? Well, we'll teach you beginners, but this person will teach adaptive or, mm-hmm. um, so in a way teacher training has become a bit of a gateway drug. And mm. I feel like that that really started with you because I remember that where, Actually, you were very, um, you were very thoughtful and you weren't in any rush to do teacher training even. Mm -hmm. You were very considerate about that. Mm -hmm. I remember that you, you went through your paces in terms of taking time to sit with weighing the options about it for, you know, for Mm -hmm. quite some time. Like, you know, we get people who come in and they're just like, they need teacher training like a drink of water coming Mm -hmm. out of the desert, you know, but you were like, you know, you were definitely very intrigued, Mm -hmm. um, but you... You, you just are one of those people who were like, I think, and maybe now hearing this, I wonder if part of it was that piece of like, well, I don't know if I would do this because I'm not sure I want to teach. Yeah. Um, so then I, I, and I also remember that 
next step in the phase um, of your process where, you know, you did strike gold Mm -hmm. with falling in love with teaching beginners. Yes. And I've been there. I know, like, when I first started, I had the Saturday class that was a very beginner class Mm -hmm. for a lot of years. And, um, yeah, it's funny that you say, like, I have no interest in teaching anything else Mm -hmm. because you have found a niche that you a niche mm-hmm. that you're so good at doing what you do and I think that too often we try to be all these things in life mm-hmm. you know everything to everyone all the time and really it's like well if you're good at this and you love doing it like just don't worry about the rest go mm-hmm. do it you know this week we're talking about dharma at the studio and dharma a big piece of that you know it's like the purpose the purpose of why you do the things you do so there's like the overarching concept where it's like you're your personal dharma in your whole life, mm-hmm. then there's, like, we have, like, a dharma as a culture. But then you've got, like, the other concept of this notion of things that uphold you along the way and why you're doing the things you're doing right now and in a qualitative um, inquiry about that so that when you do the things you're doing, you don't just do them haphazardly, you don't do them half-heartedly, you do them with... Uh, a care and mm-hmm. mindfulness that you're striving to achieve excellence with. Mm-hmm. And I think you've definitely achieved that with beginner and what you said about why you love it makes perfect sense. Um, so let me ask you what, how is a beginner class different then for you? Like what is, I mean, you kind of talked a little bit about alignment and mm-hmm. um, getting the beginner mindset, which mm-hmm. is a, I think a lot, half the time when I'm teaching class, a big piece of it is just getting people who already have an established practice to find ways to remove the familiarity mm-hmm. around our practice mm-hmm. so we can come to it with that fresh sense, yeah. that new, you know, that newness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, that's a hard challenge. And w- when you teach beginners, it's so nice because like they're already there and they're so eager. Yes. Yeah. It's like that person who wants to join teacher training like a drink of water. Mm -hmm. That's usually how they are there. Mm -hmm. Even though, um, I think some people are really intimidated by yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So beginning, I think the beginning students I see either are, were dragged there by a friend and we're just kind of like, or that, that I've done a couple of DVDs or some YouTube videos and I want to see what it's like out in public. So it's kind of like a yeah. mix between those two. And or the guys who do the PRX or the P90X. Yeah, the P90X. So many yoga. guys are like, the only yoga I've ever done is P90X. Right. That guy, talk about a gateway drug. Yeah. <laughs> P90X has gotten so many people into yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, because I've done those too. Um, so yeah, the beginning students that I tend to see mainly because um, I used to teach on Saturday mornings and then I've got Friday nights now. So the Friday night folks that I see, it's interesting different times of day. You probably see this when you yeah. teach two personalities. So the Friday night folks usually come in very serious. Like beginning yoga is a very serious thing. And, it's <laughs> Friday night, yeah. and I need to get this done <laughs> so I can start the weekend. And so I think some of it comes into while the, you know, the principles are the same, we're really focused on alignment, really breaking things down, really watching the class. And this is what I do with teachers that are interested in um, interning for beginners is that you can't check out and go check your music and just kind of go, Oh, inhale, upward facing dog. You got to be watching them at all times Mm -hmm. because they don't know. And they do things, um, in their bodies that could, you know, could, maybe cause injury later on so you've got to make sure you're really paying attention and being present with them and you have almost what I teach the um, interns as well you have permission in a beginner class that if people are really struggling just stop stop make everyone stop and turn around I like to call mini workshops do a mini workshop where you turn around look in the mirror watch your shoulders are they touching your ears okay bring them down and really touch people and physically show them like what you're doing Mm -hmm. and, and everything else um So that's like the Friday night is very, very serious. And so it's usually breaking that down. Like, let's laugh. Let's have some fun. A lot of sarcasm on Friday nights. Saturday mornings was always kind of the opposite. It was like trying to get us to be a little more serious because Saturday night is Saturday or Saturday morning. Yay, it's Saturday morning. Like, we're here to party. Let's have a great time. So it was usually kind of like, okay, let's stop talking. Let's calm down a little bit. Let's actually do some yoga here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I always loved um, that dynamic. And hopefully at some point I'll be teaching Saturday morning someday again. But um, I always loved that dichotomy of those two different um, 
types of students that come. Yeah. But I think um, the real thing that really um, takes away, I think, from Cambio's uh, beginning yoga program, as opposed to maybe other schools in town, is that Cambio's program is really focused on the student walking in. There's not like, while there is a set... Um, I guess, curriculum in terms of the foundation that we want to set for students. I know that if we, and I tell the interns this, if we spend an entire hour on sun A and that's what the student needed, mm-hmm. that's what we do. Right. We don't have to get through the triangle. We don't have to get to core. We don't have to do all of that because we got to meet the student where they're at. And then some, you know, especially on Friday nights with the in-betweeners class, sometimes I will have maybe a more intermediate group that shows up. So it's like, okay, well, let's try a half moon balance tonight. Let's just see yeah. what happens. And and so it's really, I think, um, an opportunity to meet the, like, the students individually at where all their levels are at. Well, I, I think that on the other side of that, you see people who get, um, they get something out of that they don't get from any other class. Hmm. So you see people who come back time and time again to the beginner class because it just situates itself in just the right way where it's it becomes its own style of yoga. So yeah. you don't, I mean, that's the weird kind of uh, hidden thing about it is that you don't have to be a beginner to be a beginner. Right. And actually, at the same time, we're all beginners. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a particularly unique challenge as a yoga teacher, um, whereas any yoga teachers out there listening to this knows that one of the hardest things is when you have a class of more than one person, and mm-hmm. you have that diversity in the class, um, who do you teach to? Mm-hmm. And, you know, our ethos is that you always teach to the beginner. Mm-hmm. Now, um, that's pretty easy for me, you know, teaching like a yin class or power class or vinyasa class, because most people have a certain amount of, um, there's, a, there's a community knowledge, there's a knowledge base that's already there, there's a sense of I don't know. They're pre-qualified usually to understand at least like what a chaturanga is. Right. You know, they've done enough yoga. I mean, every once in a while I get the total fresh brand newbie. Mm-hmm. And for as much as we'd like to stick to that and implement the whole teach the beginners thing, sometimes you have to, from my standpoint, I have to kind of uh, remove myself from it a little bit because if I were to adhere to it rigidly, mm-hmm. then you know the other 20 people in the class wouldn't be able to get maybe what they need if I'm just, you know, teaching a son A to somebody. So that's the beauty of that class, the Mm -hmm. beginner class, is that you get this ability to kind of throw the rules out Mm -hmm. and say, we're just going to do what the day requires. Mm -hmm. But you also, the getting back to the idea of um, the unique challenge you have is the diversity in beginner's class runs the gamut from the entire spectrum. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, I get some diversity in my class, but most people are coming to a power class because they think they're athletic or they want to become athletic mm-hmm. or they are athletic, mm-hmm. right? Same with the yin class. Most people are like, you know, they want to chill out. They are pretty chill. Mm-hmm. They need to chill or their girlfriend brought them, yeah. you know? Right. But beginner yoga is like the wide mm-hmm. funnel. It's mm-hmm. like, it's the attractor for everybody. It's, mm-hmm. It is the threshold for everybody to go through. So just like teacher training, you may go through a teacher training through the course of being exposed to the wider world of yoga, you realize, oh, you know what? I really want to do with this is become a beginner teacher or a curvy yoga teacher, adaptive yoga teacher, yin teacher, restorative teacher. Beginner yoga is similar to that in the regard that these students come in, have an experience, and they're like, oh, you know what? I really like the part where we mm-hmm. laid in Shavasana, and then you can advise them to be like, well, maybe a yin practice would be really good for you. Right, right. Yes, and I I also have had very advanced students come to my class and leave my class, which is just always so humbling to hear that they'll leave class and say, I've been doing, I've heard this twice now, I've been doing a chaturanga wrong for years, and you just showed me. Another one was dolphin I taught um, a few weeks ago, and I had a student leave that told me, he said, I always hated that pose, and when you told me we're going to do it, he's obviously an advanced practitioner, when you told me we're going to do it, I was like, oh God, here we go, and he's like, and I left there, and my shoulders don't hurt, and now I know why my shoulders have been hurting for years when I've done that, Mm. and that is just awesome, Mm -hmm. so like exactly what you're saying, 
you don't even have to be a beginning student to go to beginners because I hear people get more, you know, they get stuff from it even if they go because we spend so much time queuing everything and breaking everything down. Um, I would say we're not trying to aim for perfection, of course, but we're aiming for, I guess, maybe perfect safety in the body is what we're trying to do yeah. for your individual body, which is going to be different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when I used to teach beginner classes, it was also the the shift of energy was such a nice departure from sometimes in a vinyasa class there can be such a feeling of like okay i've got a program and we got to do the program yes and at this beat we got to be at this place and then by here so we can get done with the program and complete the program the program better get programmed you know (laughs) so yeah yeah but like with with beginners when i used to teach beginners it was such a nice um you know aside from just being open to allowing yourself to say, okay, what do they need asana-wise? Yes. What do they need with the postures? So maybe today it's just going to be all about sun A and we're just going to stick with that. Mm-hmm. But there's also, I think, within that, there's a chance to expose them a little bit, yep. little by little, to what's behind the curtain of yoga. Yep. Whereas, like, you know, I mean, it's in the West, and this comes up a lot in this podcast, we talk about how yoga has been kind of, not marginalized, but definitely... Um, focused on asana Mm -hmm. we're definitely asana Mm -hmm. focused in terms of yoga in in like the the mainstream media Mm -hmm. of yoga in the east or west um but i always found that when i would teach those beginner classes in those moments where there was time to like break a chaturanga down in those other um experiences of kind of feeling out the process with the students there was always times where like something else would come out where it was always like Wow, and it would like bring me as a teacher, teaching for years at the time, back mm-hmm. to that beginner state of mind where it's mm-hmm. like, I never could have planned that, and I didn't plan it, but what a beautiful moment of like grace that that happened. So, yeah, um, yeah I think that that's, I think that's such a huge benefit of, of the beginner practice. Now, what would you say to somebody out there? Um, because I think going back to the statement about <laughs> my yin class of like bringing the boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. How, and this comes up even in like, like teacher training, you know, where we have people who are in teacher training and we're like, are you practicing? And they're like, no, I have nobody to practice with. And we're like, what about your husband? They're like, my husband won't practice with me. <laughs> so what would you, if somebody out there is listening to this and they're like, you know, I've been practicing yoga for a while, um, how would you, and, and maybe they're thinking about their loved one, whether it's a husband or wife or maybe kids or parents Mm -hmm. how do you approach that conversation with somebody where it doesn't turn into uh, you know like a you should do this you don't start shooting on them Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. how do you get somebody that you think should do yoga Mm -hmm. to do yoga without making them feel the should Mm -hmm. of the whole thing well I think part of it is maybe encouraging them because once people have met have met me and seen my style and seen that it's not intimidating and we're laid back and yes I can fall out of a balance too it's not a big deal and who cares and we're here to have fun I think once people are comfortable with that and see kind of the the lightness that beginners brings to yoga while opening up these other things like chanting and meditation and just trying things because I'll ask hey you guys want to try this and if you don't want to you don't have to it's not a big deal Um, but I think part of it is maybe just kind of um, coming in and maybe just meeting the teacher or coming mm-hmm. in and just kind of, you know, trying it out for the experience and and maybe just encouraging, hey, you know, you might think that yoga is, you know, the, the, the perfect body image and the perfect idea of somebody who can touch their toes, but that's really, you know, think about the majority of the human population and you know what 70 people 70 percent of people can't even do that anyway so so it's just kind of push up yeah can't do a push up so just you know that and that's not what this is about this is just a time to just be a part of community and to maybe just get more into understanding our body and understanding our mind and uniting the two that's really all this is um it's not religious um, it can be. That's what I've told people too. It could be for some people, but it's yeah. not intended to be. If you need at least. it to be. If you need it to it's, be, make it that. It can be that, yeah. Yeah, but it's all about you make it on your own. And what I always tell people too, I mean, I just actually just did it a couple weeks ago in Kristen Mack's class. I always go to slow burn on Monday nights. I came in and I told Kristen, I need to take your class because I need a nap tonight. 
that's why I'm here. And I literally took, I probably practiced 15 minutes and laid on the mat and did Shavasana the rest of the class. And that's what I tell the beginning students too. This is about listening to your body. You might just need to just get out of the house for an hour. Maybe you have a small child. You just need to get out of the house for an hour and you just want to just go somewhere where you can just be. And that's, that's what this is. So that's, that's what I would tell those people that maybe are, are trying to invite a loved one to try this out is that it's just, it's not, it, it's, there's so much more than coming and sweating and getting into weird postures and being flexible. Right. That, that's like such like the smallest, not even maybe even part of it at all. Right. There's so much more. It is so much more. And, and there's such a paradox to the concept of even the term doing yoga, because I think that really when you are doing yoga, and I'm doing air quotes here, <laughs> when you're doing yoga, you're actually receiving something. Yeah. I think you're receiving, like you said, this information about the way in which your body ha- may have something to tell you mm-hmm. that you may have been unaware of, or there might be a reception or a receiving between the way the body and the mind connect in a way that otherwise could have been unconscious or could have been disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, and we spend so much of our time in our culture, especially this time of year, like this time of the year, it's so much pressure to just do, yes. do, do, and just like, it's all about aspiration. It's all about externally orientated focus of our attention and energy to achieve and ambition and, you know, aspire. And the problem I feel like with that is when you're constantly giving of yourself, then you, you don't receive. Mm-hmm. And, and you can say, well, no, but I receive because, you know, I like, I sit down and watch Netflix mm-hmm. or I, you know, do the thing where I, you know, check out, check much. out. You're right. Yeah. And I think that that's the, that's, what's different about what I'm talking about in terms of the actual meaning of receiving in yoga is mm-hmm. that you're not just being entertained. Right. It's not about being entertained. It's not about, um, getting the pose even mm-hmm. or completing the program, even mm-hmm. though sometimes we get trapped in that mode, mm-hmm. especially in vinyasa. Um, but it's about like, Showing up and be like, okay, what's my lesson going to be on the mat today? Mm-hmm. In what way is who I am going to present that self mm-hmm. to me? In what way can I make myself aware of that? To avail myself to what that means for whatever my next step is, whatever that that dharma has waiting for me, mm-hmm. that significant um, movement in my life, that significance, mm-hmm. that why, mm-hmm. and that meaning. So... And what's amazing about that is that it doesn't have to, it's not an intellectual experience because I'm definitely one of those people that's in my head all the time trying to figure everything out, Mm -hmm. but you get on the mat and you're in your body and all of a sudden it's so amazing because it's easier. You're not struggling to figure it out and the answer is just kind of there, just in front of you with whatever it is like it is that you're searching for, I guess, in that moment. So, um, it's visceral. Yeah, it's visceral, exactly. Yeah. As opposed to vicarious. Yes. Like when we watch Netflix. Right, right. You know, all the emotions we have when we watch a horror movie or a comedy or whatever, like those are all those are all just kind of manufactured. Yes. They're like projected from mm-hmm. an outside experience. Mm-hmm. So there's like an authenticity that is available in yoga that is, right. I think, really unique and so needed. Mm-hmm. Like, especially now with everybody plugged into their phone mm-hmm. and technology, like, there's even more disconnection from people having any sort of um, intimacy with themselves or yeah. touchstone of, like, knowing what does it mean to be silent, to be right. still, to be quiet, to actually listen. Right, right. Yeah, which is another thing, it's funny you say that, that we have to work with beginning students on sometimes is to leave the phone outside of the studio and not bring it in. Yeah, because we get a lot of that, well, I just want to check my phone till class starts. It's like, no, 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 you walk into the studio, like practice has begun. Like, like, give yourself that moment to get away from it all. Step away from it. Like, Mm -hmm. just um, let it go. Like, and that's what we always, I mean, I think we all say that too. Like, give yourself this hour, like, of just... Whatever it is that's going to be, just let it be and not worrying about after class, before class, or even what's going on during class outside the room. Just be there because, yeah, we don't have that anymore yeah. in our world. Well, and, and then the hope is that, you know, I, I, I like the metaphor of like tie-dye. Like you take a sheet of white linen or cotton or whatever and you dip it into the red dye. Mm. You pull it out and it's just like a faint pink color. Mm-hmm. But you do that enough times and it starts to take on 
the intended color mm-hmm. of the red. And I feel like you setting that precedent of being like, no, mm-hmm. this is a boundary mm-hmm. of, of space that those things don't enter into. Mm-hmm. And maybe after enough time, enough dips into the dye, mm-hmm. when they leave, you know, they may have just a little tinge of uh, afterglow from the practice mm-hmm. the first time they do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe the second time it's a little darker. But eventually, mm-hmm. you know, it is, you know, it is a gateway because, like, eventually the yoga, you don't just leave it behind when you leave the studio. Right. You don't just say, okay, I roll my mat up, I'm no longer a yogi. Right, These right. things don't affect me in life anymore. Mm-hmm. They start to kind of ingrain in you mm-hmm. in a way where you're programmed off the mat in a way that that awareness, that connection of mind-body, that um, that receiving, that listening, mm-hmm. all those things start to plug themselves into your work life, your relationships, mm-hmm. your diet, mm-hmm. your sleep patterns. Um, so I think that that's, uh, I don't know, I think that's pretty invaluable because a lot of times I see students get to a point where they plateau in the practice. Yeah. And they think, well, you know, I came here to get a six pack right. and now I've got the six pack or it's taking too long. I haven't got the six pack yet. So I'm just going to go to the gym or mm-hmm. I came here to get handstand or I came here to get my hamstrings. You know, we usually start with some kind of like superficial goal. Yeah. And it, it might not even be superficial, but it's just, it's very, um, insignificant yeah. and in, t- in context of what yoga can actually offer us. Right. And if we're not really paying attention to our teacher or not taking classes from teachers who are really teaching this aspect of yoga well, mm-hmm. we can miss the point and spend all that time dipping the cotton mm-hmm. into the dye. And yes, it may be getting darker, but it, sometimes that slow progression of things, we don't realize mm-hmm. that we are actually becoming more aware, that we are gaining benefits of stillness, silence, resilience, mm-hmm. quietude, you know, ability mm-hmm. to listen, all these things that kind of pack out the rest of the practice. We don't realize that those benefits are happening to us. Then I see students leave for nine months, six months, three months, however long it takes mm-hmm. to where all of a sudden those things start to fade away. Mm-hmm. And then their life gets to a point where they they just kind of throw up their hands. They're like, oh, and then they get a click. They're like, I need to get back to my right. yoga practice. Yep. Yep. Start to serve myself in these ways. Yeah. Um, and so it's, again, it comes back to that concept of um, familiarity mm-hmm. and the newness and the beginner. Because I, I think, like, what you're doing, I think that that really should, that nomenclature of beginner yoga, beginner should go in front of every single yoga class. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just be, like, power yoga vinyasa. It should be, like, beginner power yoga. Like, you should right. step onto the mat every time. Yeah. With your etch sketch shaken, mm-hmm. you know that's kind of the purpose of Surya Namaskar. Mm-hmm. You know, in in a way, is to like clean the channel out, mm-hmm. to loosen the defense mechanisms and the armor of our ego, so eventually it rattles off by the time we get into some of the deeper sections of the class. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, I took a workshop this last weekend and. Um, it was fantastic. There's this teacher talking about newness and how our mind is so attracted to newness mm. and it's it's a constant addiction for us. Mm. You know, I mean, even think about like iPhones, right? Mm-hmm. We're always like, oh, I need an iPhone 7. Now I need an 8 because it's out. Oh, I can get the 10 and just skip the 9, you know? Right. Um, well, that's, it is fun because it's sensational and it keeps us engaged, it keeps us curious, it keeps us intrigued. Mm-hmm. And that's important for our minds to stay sharp. Mm-hmm. But the fallout from that is the things that we become familiar with, mm-hmm. we tend to lose value around. Right. And oftentimes, sadly, it's the relationships in our life. Mm-hmm. When we interact with those things where we've just grown accustomed to them, and allow the expectations to kind of fill in the gaps, we start to be like, we start to, um, <laughs> we start to take them for granted. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's one of the things she said, all this to say is that she said that the meditative mind, one of the benefits that the meditative mind gives us is the ability to 
find the newness of objects that have become familiar to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, on a very simple metaphor, this is a great uh, example in terms of using it with a relationship, with like a loved one. Mm-hmm. You know, you're married to somebody for like how long? You, you've been married now for... Four years. Four years, okay. So that's beyond the extent of like what, you know, scientists say you get all the the lust part of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Usually fades within three years. Within three years, you're not getting the same neurochemical cocktail mm-hmm. of the oxytocin, the serotonin kick from that. And you move into a whole different phase of, of love in the relationship. And oftentimes you see that sunset in people's relationship as something that, you know, because it's not um, physiologically demanding of them anymore, Mm -hmm. they allow those things to become almost vestigial. Yeah. And we do that with ourselves too. Yeah. And so they become operative in an unconscious way. So we're operating in our relationships with people we love the most in a way where we're not really... Um, allowing them to be who they are in the moment, mm-hmm. but who they were once to us. Mm-hmm. And we do the same thing with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's a really difficult program to get unstuck from. Right. And so I think one of the ways to do that definitely is yoga. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think it's such a great thing when you see a beginner walk in mm-hmm. because it takes so much courage, so much bravery. Yes. Yes. Do oh, you, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I, get so excited when we have new people on the schedule that have never done yoga and they walk in and they're not really sure where to go and um and I love all that and I always not in a you know like aggressive way but just I always try to commend them on like you know how much courage it took to get there Mm -hmm. and um and then once they've taken class usually of course now they're like okay I've done it so then they're a little more relaxed and Mm -hmm. we talk about that um, but it is so interesting, kind of everything you were saying about the newness and everything and people's goals, because you got the person that walked in that, you know, did the YouTube videos or P90X for the past like year. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I just want to see what this is like on the other side. Like, what's the big deal about going to a yoga studio as opposed to like doing my video? Well, what is it? Let's break that. Yeah. Down. So what I hear is that, um, nobody breaks it down on the videos so they don't mm. break it down and and i can you know say from experience too because i can't always get over here so i'll do videos and i have to like look at the screen because i'm like what are they talking about um so we'll take like a basic warrior two so they're doing a warrior two and they're like okay get into warrior two but they don't actually cue like where are the feet where are the thighs where are the knees like they don't and they don't cue bottom up so people can actually focus on uh, or i should say top to head um they don't they don't focus on people exactly where their alignment is supposed to be Mm. and and i think the other thing too is you've probably seen it as well there's so many videos where the alignment is just really poor and then you're watching it and you you know that that person that's the video that they did and so it kind of gives you a little bit of an advantage you're not a yoga teacher you're like oh i guess that's how where to that's that's how you do it Yeah, yeah your knee is like way you know way over your toe and that's what you do and Um, so definitely helping them, um, see that difference. And then also, um, the energy, having the energy of all the other people in the room while practicing, it's people tell me, wow, that was so different than doing this in my living room where I get distracted or my email comes in. And so I pause the video and I go check my email or whatever. You can't do that. Like you're held accountable. accountable. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in the studio. So Mm -hmm. you have to be, um, like really there and present for that full hour. Um, and so I think those are the big things that beginning, beginning students are first blown away with. Um, and then, of course, there's the beginning students that come in. Um, and I will say I love hearing this, too, when beginning students tell me that their doctor told them to go do yoga. Mm. I love that. Because yeah. I'm just like, man, who's that doctor? we got to find out who that is. <laughs> yeah. um, Put his card out. Yeah. So, like... Um, I love that. And then usually like they'll, um, they'll, they might have something specific that's more physical. And so then they usually come out and they'll tell me, oh yeah, I noticed a difference or I noticed this. But what's so great about it too, is like that body mind awareness, they might come in for a back issue and then they realize, oh, it was because my shoulders weren't strong enough. And now I'm understanding that connection and I need Mm -hmm. to work on that a little more. Um, so that's definitely the difference I see with beginning students coming in and comparing video versus studio Mm -hmm. class. So yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I get excited right now talking about it. I get very excited about it. I just, I love seeing that for people. Yeah. I think about my first time going to a studio and my sister had to drag me to it and we like made a pact with each other. We're like, okay, I'll go if you go. You know, we're both kind of 
like nervous to check out the new studio. Yeah. Um, but I think part of it too is people are reticent because they think they are not good at it. Right. Already. I'm not flexible, so I'm not going to go. Yeah, or they're going to be judged or they're yes. embarrassed about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I had, I've heard this one. Oh, I just had a baby. Let me lose the baby weight and then I'll go. Like, no, 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 just come. Yeah. Like, come to class. It's so antithetical. It's <laughs> yeah. like, let me get perfect. Yes. And then I'll come do a practice. Right, right. It's like, wait, what? Right. You're going to get flexible, know all the poses and how to do them, lose all the weight, and then you're going to come take right. yoga? Right. Yeah, I think it's I think it's tough because in our society in a lot of normal institutions, we've kind of um, conventionalized the role of student mm-hmm. as something that is um, that requires a great deal and unnecessarily of humility. Yeah. Like, yeah there is yeah. a certain amount of humbleness that is required for you to learn something. Yeah. But I think because of the way education works in our culture, mm-hmm. like a lot of times people feel like, well, I'm, I don't want to go because it's going to make me feel stupid. Mm-hmm. Right. And because that's how, when I learned this thing, I felt because, oh, I couldn't get it or I wasn't right. up to snuff or the person next to me was doing it better. Yes. And so much of like our conventional experience with education in this culture has to do with judgment, mm-hmm. with comparison with competition, mm-hmm. and I heard this great um, conversation recently um, where they were talking about, wouldn't it be fantastic if instead of um, get, take, taking a test, getting a 70% and you just are stuck with a C, what if we educated people where if you get a 70%, now we're going to take the 30% you didn't do well on, and we're going to focus on learning that part. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I feel like we do that with yoga. Mm -hmm. I feel like that that is there. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we definitely set the foundation on in beginners constantly. There's no perfection. And when people fall out of poses or balances, I make a point of saying that's a really good thing. You just pushed yourself Mm -hmm. beyond your limits. So Mm -hmm. keep doing that. So we try to like really break down those behaviors um, and those thought patterns that we have to know that um, there is no perfection. There's no such thing as perfection in yoga um, ever. And I say this probably every week. What your body's doing today is going to be totally different than tomorrow. Or in the next hour, it will be different. So just because dancer now is all of a sudden easy, next week it might be a little more difficult. Because I do have one um, student in particular that... Um, we talk about this almost every week because she um, analyzes like certain mm. parts of her body and we'll be like, ah, it was a little weaker this week or a little stronger this week and I'm really working with her now to understand like, but that doesn't matter. Like you noticed it, that's good. Mm-hmm. But the story about the why and where it's coming from mm-hmm. and what's going on with it, none of that's important. It's, it's, it's just so relevant. to track down. Yes. Because yeah. it could be diet, sleep, right. circadian rhythm, yeah. moon, the we- Yeah, levels. the weather. <laughs> yeah, I mean it yeah. literally could be a litany of any combination of things yeah um but it is your i love that you're like it's good that you observed it mm-hmm. and i think that that is really when we talk about a non-judgment zone like it, it comes in layers because at first it's like okay don't compete with yourself yes you know where you get people who are like well i was a martial artist 12 years ago so mm-hmm. i'm gonna do this thing right. really hardcore and then the next day they can't get out of bed right so they're competing with you know a version of themselves 12 years ago rather than being since you know honest about where they're at today yeah or they start comparing themselves to the person next to them who mm-hmm. you know i i think it's really easy for us to get lost in the fact that we think that the way a pose ex- expresses itself superficially mm-hmm. on the outside mm-hmm. the external expression is directly linked to the internal expression and there is a link but students aren't trained to see that the way yoga teachers are mm-hmm. yoga teachers are trained to see that energetically mm-hmm. whereas like a yoga student might see that and all they're seeing is this person's hamstrings open right and their ability for range of mo- motion is incredible so therefore they're doing it better than them or mm-hmm. doing it well then there's the layer of um, non-judgment about like exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. When it's, it gets a little bit more sophisticated and we start to say, okay, I'm noticing a little weakness here. I'm mm-hmm. noticing this. But then it stops there. Mm-hmm. So really what we're doing on the mat, it's like R&D. Yes. You know, we're just doing research yeah, and yeah. data. And 
save your hypothesis and save your conclusions yeah. for another time. Right, right. Yeah, because, and I think in beginners too, not only does the student compare themselves against themselves and others, but I think the teacher is a huge person or entity that the student compares themselves to. Oh, yes. And so that's And they pedestal them. Yes. And so I work really hard with the beginning um, interns to know that if you're teaching something and you're, you know, um, uh, doing a mini workshop or whatever it is mm-hmm. and the student is watching you, you're always presenting the modification. You're mm-hmm. always doing it. So, um, and that's one thing that's definitely like a change of thought process because mm-hmm. when you're in the power class, you're trying to, you know, achieve, you know, what could be the fullest expression in that moment mm-hmm. for that posture. And a beginners, it's like, as the teacher, it's like, no, 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 we're going to do, we do the modification. If you're supposed to bring your knee down, that's what we demo. Mm-hmm. And that's what the students, because one thing about beginning students is they are trying so hard. There's almost this aspect too in our society, what you were saying about pleasing the teacher. Mm-hmm. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like, well, the teacher did it that way, so I'm going to do it like this because mm-hmm. I want I want the teacher to commend me and use my name and mention that I'm doing it, as opposed to actually thinking about what does my body need right now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's one thing I work with the, the um, beginning um, intern interns on is that making sure you're demoing the modifications and making sure that um, you're giving the students permission to do them and to listen to what they need in their bodies. And mm-hmm. then there are students like what you were just saying about the energetic kind of awareness. There are students that I will see or I just know they are never going to do the modification so guess what then we're just teaching the modification in the whole class because I'm going to somehow get them to do it right. and then it's so rewarding as a teacher then a few weeks goes by, goes by and then I actually just see them doing the modification on their own I'm mm-hmm. like yes I did my job <laughs> yes. yeah it's tough to give yourself permission for internal validation yeah because in we're not trained that way right we are so Pavlovian responsed Mm-hmm. and conditioned to get the pat on the head mm-hmm. from an authority. Right, right. Um, I remember one time teaching a class, and we were doing some core work, and I was doing boat, and I, like, I, I like took myself out of it. I was like, you guys do it. I can't do it. It's too hard. And I remember a student came up to me after class and was like, I appreciate it so much that you showed how you were struggling with it mm-hmm. or showed that you hit your edge and you stopped. And, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, like a revelation for them to see a teacher do that. And as teachers, we forget two things related to that. One is oftentimes students, you know, uh, unfortunately do put us, you know, they aggrandize us. They they kind of like um, romanticize who we ought to be if we're teachers, that we must be this perfect person, can do all these things. And and of course, you know, the higher the pedestal, the further the fall Mm -hmm. from grace. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, you know, I I would say anybody listening to this out there that is a beginner um, or looking for a beginner teacher, beginner class, any, any teacher who promotes that, that pedestaling mm-hmm. behavior, mm-hmm. that is definitely a red flag. Yes. Watch out for that, number yeah. one. Um, but also, giving ourselves as teachers permission to, to be vulnerable, to show our weakness, to mm-hmm. show the ways in which we struggle, because that is such a benefit for people. Um, because if we're not modeling it, right. then how can we expect other people to uphold that same level of integrity within themselves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely we're on the journey all together yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. it's uh yeah it's a cool thing so um yeah i think the beginner stuff is pretty powerful it's pretty Mm -hmm. special stuff and you do a good job with it thank you i love it (laughs) yeah is there so um we got to wrap this up here in a minute but is there uh is there anything else, if there's somebody out there listening that you would want them to know about specifically the way in which you teach beginner yoga or even yoga teachers who are thinking about teaching beginners, right, yeah. you know, what mm-hmm. what words of wisdom that you might have for them after doing this for three years now? Yeah. Um, so to any students out there that are thinking about trying yoga or even if you've done yoga and been doing it for years, I would definitely encourage you to come and check out a beginner class or the in-betweeners class and just come on by and, you know, maybe just see what it's like to be in a class that's so focused on alignment and so focused on making sure that your body is safe through all the postures. Um, give it, give it a shot. Just see, see if it 
spark something different in your practice because I almost guarantee that it will Um, and then for uh, teachers that are interested in teaching beginners because one of the things I hear constantly is like oh you have to cue so much I'm afraid to do that Mm. come challenge yourself do it because you are right Um, but I will say the difference I think at least that I have found in terms of uh, cueing in a beginner class is that your cues are actually authentic. Sometimes when we're teaching power or flow classes, we're kind of like, I should cue here, but I'm not really quite seeing anything that yeah. needs to be cued. Beginner class, you, it's going to be like the most real, like authentic, like way to work with students. I think that you can get, and I definitely um, love working with teachers that are looking to aspire to do the internship. So if you're interested, I would say just let me know and mm-hmm. let Amber and or Austin know and. Um, would love to see you. Awesome, Jen. Well, thanks for taking the time today. Yeah. I appreciate sitting down and talking with you. This was great. Yeah. Thank you. And um, thank you out there for listening to the Yoga Living Project podcast. We appreciate your um, feedback. Feel free to subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. It's super helpful. And last, I just want to leave you with... um, the knowledge, whether you're a beginner or advanced practitioner, intermediate practitioner, or teacher, whatever, child's pose is always available to you. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening again. I hope you have a fantastic 2018. I hope you had a fantastic 2017. We look forward to continuing to provide you quality content through the Yoga Living Project, not just via the podcast. We hope this year to expand out into uh, programs. Um, This is something Amber and I have been talking about now for like two years. You know, this is what what it means when you run your own business. This is how fast things start to go, especially when, (laughs) you know, I don't know. Uh, It's just, it is what it is. But um, yeah, this year we were excited to have some things on the docket. So make sure that you keep an eye out for um, these programs that are designed for the general public, meaning you don't have to be a yoga teacher to take them. However, if you are a yoga teacher, they will also count as CEUs. So um, it's kind of a, a dual purpose program. There's a lot of people who talk to us about, you know, like, I want to do an educational program, but one that's not about becoming a teacher. So we've kind of had this idea in queue for a while, and um, it's going to be kind of unfolding in uh, different kind of chapters. We're going to do a whole yoga living project program around asana, one around pranayama and meditation, one around philosophy of yoga, one around uh, the subtle body. I hope to do one around bhakti yoga with, uh, you know, focusing on nada, chanting, static dance, mudra, that kind of stuff too. So, um, yeah, so keep an eye out for all that in 2018 because that's probably one thing I'm most excited about in terms of my air quotes, I'm doing air quotes, my resolutions here. So starting where I'm at, but using the technology for that transformation, as we said. And um, if this serves you well, please leave us a review on iTunes. We would love it. Give us a rating. That really helps. And um, we'll see. And share with your friends. I never say that enough. Share this podcast with your friends. It's a great way to um, live yoga off the mat. So thank you guys so much. Look forward to an amazing, inspirational, loving year. Here we are, 2018. And here's to you. Namaste.